And I'm reading from the 21st verse. And I want to, I want to read a few verses of scripture in your hearing. And I, I will tell you, it's, a, it's an unusual passage that we're reading this morning. Exodus chapter 4, verses 21 through uh, 26. The word of the Lord says this, The Lord said unto Moses, When thou goest to return into Egypt, see that thou do all those wonders before Pharaoh, which I have put in thine hand. But I will harden his heart, that he shall not let the people go. And thou shalt say unto Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord, Israel is my son, even my firstborn. And I say unto thee, Let my son go, that he may serve me. And if thou refuse to let him go, behold, I will slay thy son, even thy firstborn. And it came to pass by the way in the inn that the Lord met him and sought to kill Moses. Then Sipporah took a sharp stone and cut off the foreskin of her son and cast it at his feet and said, Surely a bloody husband art thou to me. So he let him go. Then she said, A bloody husband thou art because of the circumcision. And I want, to, I want to preach to you this morning about something the Lord has laid upon my heart. I can't get away from it. And so I, I'm going to be obedient to the Holy Ghost and preach to you on this subject, blind spots. Blind spots. Lord, help us today. Open our eyes. Could you bow your head with me and, and pray with me over the word, the preaching of the word of God. Lord, open our eyes that we may see you that we may know you. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that your word would be alive in us. God, let your word be alive in the members of our body. Let it take control of our very conscience. Lord, lead us and guide us into all of your precious truth. Help us, O oh Lord, to be overcomers in this world. God, we ask this anointing upon the preaching of your word today. Let it go forth as you intend. Let it prick our hearts. And, and cause us to bring forth fruits, meet for repentance. I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name that you will, you will allow your spirit and your word to flow freely in this house. In Jesus' precious name we pray. And everybody said, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. And amen. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. This passage of scripture, of course, is one that, that uh, is, is quite uh, complex uh, in terms of just, it kind of comes out of nowhere, and, and yet it doesn't. I think it may for us sometimes because we, we have grown up in a dispensation, if you please, of grace. We've grown up in a time where where the mercy of the Lord flows like water from a faucet. And there's a reason for that. The reason for that is because the Lord was manifest in the flesh. And he lived the life of perfection and obedience that we are required to live. And he took upon himself the form of a servant and in the Garden of Gethsemane, when all things culminated, he, 
humbled himself, said not my will, but the will of God be done. And that will was that all sin be eradicated and punished. The brutality of the cross is not an easy thing to comprehend or to even want to think about. It, it is spoken of throughout the scriptures. Isaiah gives such a clear depiction. You'd think that he was standing at the foot of the cross, and I believe he did have an actual revelation of it. And as he, as he describes it, it's easy to let the old English and, and even the, the words, the words find it hard to truly encapsulate the depth of his suffering. You can quote every scripture that deals with the severity of the suffering of the cross as Paul could, no doubt, given his understanding of the Hebrew scriptures and, and, and Paul would still say that I may know him and the fellowship of his suffering. Because I can quote every verse, perhaps, he could say, but, but I still cannot understand the depth of the suffering of Christ. But when you look upon the suffering Messiah, you, you are seeing a picture of God's anger towards sin. See, Jesus was a lamb, yes, and Jesus was a substitute, yes. Jesus was the sacrifice, yes. But, but the Bible said he was made to be sin. He wasn't just a substitute for sin. He became the actual sin. And so when you look upon the, the wound and the bruise and the chastisement and the, the, the absolute brutality of the cross, you are looking at God's vehement indignation towards sin. The wounding of Christ was the wounding of sin. And, and, and so you see then God's anger towards sin. Now, now his love intervened and his mercy rejoiced against his judgment. And his mercy intervened by saying, I will do it. I will take it upon myself. I will take your sin upon me. And the scripture said the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. Not just a few, but, but everybody who will. He laid upon him the iniquity of us all. And because of that, we have learned through the gospel of Jesus Christ that we can repent from our sins. We can turn from our wicked ways. And the scripture says so beautifully, that if the wicked will turn from his wicked ways, I will remember his wickedness no more. God said, I, I will not remember the wickedness anymore if the wicked will merely turn from their wicked ways. We have learned that when one is baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, that they are baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. The blotting out of those sins, the, the total removal of those sins from one's record. Oh, no wonder we praised him like we praised him. No wonder we danced before him the way we danced before him. We were going to face him in judgment with a, a track record 40 miles long. But he washed our sins away. He cleansed us of our unrighteousness. He removed from us the filth of our flesh. Oh, glory be to God. 
Hallelujah. Marvelous mystery. The Christ of Calvary. And we learn that we shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. This kingdom of heaven is not something you can just shake a hand and be a part of. Coming to a church service does not admit you entrance into the kingdom of God. But, but you must be born into this kingdom of God. Born of the water and born of the spirit. Except a man be born again, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. And so we live in a dispensation where people can come to God, where there's no veil that separates them, where there is no litany of requirements that, that prevent them from boldly approaching the throne of grace. But they can step into his presence like we did here. Oh, we're so blessed to be able to stand in his presence the way we did this morning to lift up holy hands. And I like this part, without wrath and without doubting. My Lord, have mercy. And the truth of the matter is, we take it for granted. We don't do it justice like we should in terms of appreciating it. But we live our life sometimes as though we could take it or leave it. We live our lives sometimes as though it, it doesn't really matter. We are pretty haphazard so often. We're so slipshod in the way we think of God, treat God, treat his precepts. And, and this ought not to be. And I need to remind you that the only thing that separates us from the judgment, the indignation, and the wrath of God is not, is not us. It is, it is Jesus. It is the blood of Jesus that covers us in the same way that the blood of the Lamb was painted over the doorposts of the homes of the children of Israel on that night when the death angel swept through Egypt. In that same way, the blood of Jesus Christ covers us through repentance, baptism in his name, and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. And as it does, it protects us from the judgment of God that sweeps through this land and we many times start thinking it's because of us or because of of our goodness or because of of something we have done or or or, or just something we make up we don't even know why we just don't feel any kind of urgency concerning the judgment of God and I but I look back into this old testament and I see what the raw judgment of God looks like and I see what the judgment of God looks like without the blood of Jesus, without the grace of God, without us walking in covenant with God. And don't even think for a moment that because you've repented and been baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost that you've got some kind of eternal security. And that there's no way that you could miss out with God. That's, a, that's an absolute way of missing out with God is to take it for granted and think that that all is well now that you've done your duty and you've checked your boxes. No, you've got to walk with him and let his spirit overtake you and let his, let his love enrapture and envelop you. And Hallelujah. It's easy. It's easy to walk away from him. You can, the Bible describes even after they were filled with the Holy Ghost, even after they were baptized in his name, that some departed from the faith. Having loved this present world. And I'm going to tell you, that's where many of us are today. There's a competition for our devotion. 
there is a conflict for our consecration, wondering where is it that we stand? Do we love God or do we love the world? I can hear the New Testament admonition to the saints of God. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Hallelujah. And so when I look at this story of Moses, it, it gives me pause and it, it causes me to stop for a moment. It's a cautionary tale because this man Moses had a call of God upon his life. He had an anointing of the Lord that rested upon him. The Lord had called him aside. He had his hand on him when he was just three months old when his mother put him inside an ark and sent him down the river. And as she did, the anointing of God covered that baby. All of the dangers that could have come upon him, they were all held at bay because the Lord had preserved him for his purposes. And here he stands now about 80 years old, standing on the backside of a desert for 40 years. And he stands before a bush that is burning but not being consumed. And out of this bush comes the voice of the great I am, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And he is calling Moses into his holy purpose. I'm going to send you to Pharaoh, and you're going to declare to him, let God's son go. Israel is the firstborn son of God. Let God's son go. And if you won't let God's son go, then the God of Israel is going to come through and take the firstborn son of every Egyptian household. This was his message. It was not a popular message. But he was without question anointed of God for the task. There was a little something that occurred in his conversation with God. The Bible said that he said to the Lord, who am I? that I should speak. I am slow of speech. I don't have any eloquence about me. I'm not an orator. I don't know how to articulate things well. And the Lord, the Bible said, his anger was kindled against Moses. Moses didn't even realize he had kindled the anger of God. What a word, kindled. He just kind of set a match to the anger of God. This is the anger of the Lord. Now, I want to explain to you today that God does have anger. He does. He does have anger. He is love. He is love. But God does have anger. And, and, and I want to put it into the context for us to understand today. Moses leaves this conversation with the Lord, but there was a blind spot in his life. He was looking at Israel and Egypt. He was looking at the hand of God on his life. He was looking at delivering the people out of Egypt. He couldn't wait to get over there and start doing what God had called him to do. But there was a little thing that lurked in his own private life that was against God, that displeased God. It was something Moses had never tended to. It had to do with the circumcision of his own son. Circumcision to God was important in the Old Testament. It symbolized the covenant that God had with man. It was something that was in place since Abraham. And it was a way that man could show God, I'm in covenant with you. I trust you. I believe you. I'm walking in obedience with you. And when it didn't happen, it was a lack of obedience. It was a lack of covenant. And Moses had all these things in a row. He was ready to go to Egypt. He was ready to fulfill God's call on his life. The purpose of God was going to flow through him. He was excited about going. But in his private life, in his home, 
There was something wrong there. He wasn't paying attention to his own son's covenant with God. He wasn't paying attention to make sure that his house was ready to be right with God. And the Lord, even though he had called Moses to his purpose, the Bible said that the Lord waited privately to kill him because of a blind spot in Moses' life. Thankfully, Zipporah, his wife, who was Ethiopian and had no appreciation for this whole circumcision thing, didn't understand the symbolism of it, didn't make any sense. And I'm going to tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. There are some things God may require of you that don't make sense to you. Don't, don't hold your own opinion above the decrees of God. It doesn't have to make sense to us. He's God and we're not God. I know that in America we are independent, we believe in liberty, and I pray we continue to believe in liberty, and I pray we continue to believe in independence, but don't let that independent streak taint your relationship with God. True freedom is found in covenant with the Lord. True freedom is found in relationship with God. Oh, hallelujah. No, no, it is God who hath made us and not we ourselves. We are his people, and we are the sheep of his pasture. It's not the other way around. He's not our people. We are his people. The Bible said that he has chosen us as a people so that we can be his people, and he can be our God. That's not an equal relationship. He's God, and we're the people. We're not a God unto ourselves. And we don't get to look up at God and say, who do you think you are requiring certain things of me? He created the earth and all things that are therein. He created you, and he created me. He knows who we are. He knows what we need. And when he gives a command, he does it for a reason. It's not arbitrary. He understands the mysteries of the foundations of the earth. And I don't understand fully why Zipporah felt moved, but she did. And she proceeded with the circumcision of Moses' son. And, and she was a little frustrated by it. She said, I don't understand this, and you're a bloody husband unto me because of this act. But she did it, and in so doing it, she saved his life. And Moses lived. All of that manna that Moses was connected to, those tablets of stone that Moses was connected to, the parting of the Red Sea that Moses was connected to, all of that, Moses almost had no part in it because of a blind spot in his life. And I think, oh, I think, oh God, Help me not to have any blind spots in my life. Oh God, help me not to have something that I'm just running merrily along trying to do what God has called me to do. I'm trying to do a work for the Lord. And sometimes we can get so arrogant as to think because God is so gracious and because God is so merciful and because God is so loving in his kindness that somehow he's going to overlook the stuff in my life I know displeases him. I know he's not happy about it. And I know his word speaks against it. But he's so good and he's so kind and he's so loving. Hey, friend, you've got a blind spot in your life. You're allowing something to prevent you from seeing the big picture. 
Oh, hallelujah. Psalm 103 and verse 8. I want to read it to you. If we can pull that up. I just want to read to you because this is important for you to understand in this dispensation of grace. Psalm 103 and verse number 8 teaches us about the goodness of God. The Lord is merciful and the Lord is gracious. Everybody say amen. amen. The Lord is slow to anger. Everybody say thank God. Amen. The Lord is plenteous in mercy. And, and we should preach that, that the Lord is merciful. He is gracious. He is slow to anger. And he is plenteous in mercy. But the part of that that we seldom concentrate on is there is anger. He might be slow to it. But it's there. And some of us have never even witnessed the anger of God. Some of us have been so covered by mercy and grace that we've never even seen the anger of God. I'm going to tell you, you and I could never stand up under the raw anger of God. <laughs> we, could never, we could never survive an encounter with the raw anger of God. I, I don't ever want to be on the receiving end of the raw anger of God. And then I, I just want you to understand sometimes that there are blind spots in our life. Things, David called them secret faults. Secret faults. Things I don't know exist. Stuff I may be doing I didn't know was displeasing to God. Let me tell you something. There have been times in the Holy Ghost, praying to the Lord, weeping in an altar, hearing the preaching of the word, where the word will come forth. And as I'm hearing the word, something will come up into my thinking and I'll realize, wait a minute. There's something in me that needs to change. There's something I'm doing that is displeasing to the Lord. There's a certain way I treat people. There's a certain way that I, that I act. There, there's, a, there's a particular way that I believe about something that is displeasing to the Lord. Thank God for every moment like that where the convicting word of God will reach down into your heart and begin to transform you into who God wants you to be. There's another scriptural encounter, a scriptural illustration of a blind spot. Man by the name of Balaam, he was, he was called upon by Balak, the king of the Moabites and Midianites, to bring a curse upon the Jewish people. And Balaam was called upon to curse them, and they were going to give him all kinds of money to do so. And Balaam heard that, that they wanted him to curse the Israelites, and so he got prepared to do it, and he called upon the Lord as to what he should do. And the Lord said, don't curse whom I have blessed. And Balaam looked at those who came. He said, I don't care how much money you got. I'm not, I'm not doing nothing. I'm not cursing, I'm not cursing who God has blessed. And, 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 and so then the, the scripture says that they inquired again of him, but we need you to do this. They, they multiply they, and they are spread out and, and we're afraid of them and we need you to curse them. So he went back to the Lord and said, they really want me to curse these folks. And the Lord said, fine, do it. You know how when you go to your parents and you say, please, 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 and they say, no, 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 and then finally you just wore them out and they say, whatever, whatever, fine, go ahead, I don't care, whatever. That does not mean yes. 
And be very careful if you take that as a yes. Balaam, Balaam was like, please, please, please. That's a lot of money. Please, Lord. And, and let me just at least go see what they're talking about. And the Lord said, fine, go do it. And as Balaam went to do it, the Bible says the Lord was angry that he would go. And the Bible said the Lord dispatched an angel as an adversary to stand in the way. Now hear what I'm telling you. It's scary enough for an angel to show up. The good angels are scary. The good angels have to say, be not afraid. Peace be unto thee. The good angels got to do that. I don't want an angel that's coming as an adversary who stands with a sword in the way. And here's the most terrifying part. Balaam couldn't see it. It was a blind spot. He wanted that money. He wanted that advantage. You know what? He even turned. Let me, let me back up. He turned down the money. So this tells us something about Balaam and about ourselves. Even more important to him than the money was the accolade they placed on him. You're a great prophet. We really value your religious spiritual insight. And if you speak, it matters to us and to them. And they will absolutely come under a withering curse if you will curse them. And so Balaam felt puffed up that he was seen as this great prophet. And he went forward to, to uh, pr provide this curse potentially, perhaps, maybe. And the Lord sent an angel standing there with a sword in the way. He was riding his donkey. His donkey saw the angel. Balaam didn't. It, he was blind to it the whole time. And the donkey tried to veer off the path. And, and Balaam smote the donkey. And the Bible said that, that the angel went into a way that, where there was a wall here and there was a wall there. And the angel was, was there. And Balaam never would have made it through. He would have died as soon as he came in contact with the angel's sword. But the donkey pressed up against the wall and it crushed Balaam's foot and Balaam smote the donkey again and the Bible says that the third time the donkey absolutely collapsed and David smote the donkey again and said why are you acting this way and the Lord opened the mouth of the donkey and the donkey forbade the madness the madness of the prophet are you insane are you mad have you lost your mind I need I need God to say that to me sometimes. Joel, have you lost, have you done lost your ever-loving mind? I brought you out of that stuff and now you're going to go back into it. Have you lost your mind? I delivered your fathers from that false doctrine and now you're going to go back into it. Have you lost your mind? I'm going to tell you something. Hey, hey, wake up. God, God begins to put things in your life to prevent you, slow you down, and you just keep on down your arrogant, rebellious, bitter path. Have you lost your mind? Why are you beating me, the donkey said. I'm trying to save you. And the Bible says the Lord opened the eyes of Balaam. And he saw something standing in his path that he never knew was there. It was the angel of the Lord 
with a drawn sword ready to slay him. Oh, I, I, I know. You want to you wanna shout about mercy? I do too. You want to dance about grace? I, I do too. But, but don't, don't misunderstand. It's the New Testament that tells us, see that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. It is possible to walk. Circumspect walking means you better look around everywhere. Everywhere, you better watch, make sure you know what's going on. Now, this is important. Not as fools. Not with paranoia. Not with some kind of a, of, a, of a fleshly fear and a crippling anxiety. But with wisdom. I want to make sure. I'm not going to believe every spirit. I'm going to try the spirits, whether they be of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, it is not of God. Walk circumspectly. That means look everywhere. You got why? Because you've got blind spots. And stuff can prevent you from seeing things as they are. I, I, the first time I really came in contact with the term blind spot was in driver's ed. Thank the Lord for driver's ed. Y'all don't want to know me without driver's ed in my life. Driver's ed helped me put the fear of God in me. They'd sit us down in that room and show us what could happen if we're not paying attention. And, and, and what could happen if you're not wearing your seatbelt. And what could happen if you're just driving crazy? And they kept talking about blind spots. And they said, you've got mirrors for a reason. You've got to look in those mirrors. And I don't care whose car you get in, you've got to adjust the mirrors. If you're five foot two or seven foot two, and you get in my car, you're gonna to have to adjust the mirrors so that they fit where you are and, and, and what, your, what your life experience has been. You've got, to, you've got to get it for yourself. My God, and, and, and let me just, I'm just gonna go ahead and preach it to you the way the Lord gave it to me. The scripture said that a man that is a, that is a hearer of the word and not a doer of the word is like a man that looketh at his face in a glass and sees all, all his flaws but, but does nothing to correct them. In other words, the word of God is your mirror. This is your mirror. You got to check yourself out here. This is what shows you what's going on. When I first met Sister Heidi and I wanted to make a good impression, I was about to go talk to her and I thought, oh no, I can't just go walking up. I got to run to where there's a mirror. And I walked up to that mirror and I was checking everything out. I got to make sure I'm looking smooth and then I'm going to move, make my move talk, try to be as cool as I can be. We all need a mirror sometimes. Sometimes you don't find out 30 minutes into a day that, that man, I needed a mirror. Somebody should have said something to me. Lord, have mercy. We need a mirror. And if you're driving a car with no mirrors, you're in trouble. You try to change lanes with no mirrors, you're in trouble. You try to drive through some, some rush hour traffic with no word in your life, you're in trouble. That's why you keep having fender benders. That's why you end up in pileups. That's why you end That's why you get thrust out the window. Because you're not checking the word of God before you make life decisions. 
my God, have mercy. I'm going to tell you what else helps. It helps to have a passenger in the passenger side seat of the car. It helped. My wife is my GPS. Finally, she just said, hey, you know what? If you feel like turning left, that probably means you ought to turn right. Just as a general principle. It's the truth. I'll get lost going home today. I have no idea where I'm going. I'll just, I'll just let her just say, no, turn left. Okay. Turn right. Okay. I've learned to depend on that. And when I don't have that in the passenger side, I start having issues. i got to start doing things for myself. Let me tell you, sometimes you need a passenger in the car with you. And, and I just want to tell you, I'm not, I'm not floating my boat. I'm just in a God-ordained position. But that's why you need a pastor. Because you need, you need somebody in that car with you. So that when you can't see it quite right, you can say, hey, can you look over into that lane? Is anybody coming? That's why you need accountability in the church and you need fellowship with the believers. You're trying, you're trying to drive cross country with nobody in the car with you. You need fellowship. You need pastoral accountability. You need brothers and sisters in the Lord. Hey, I'm, I'm thinking about making a, a lane change. I got to get over there quick. Because look, that says it's in a quarter of a mile. And I got four lanes to get across. And it's a busy interstate. I can't see. I can't see real well. Can you help me? Is there anybody coming? No, you got it. All right. Anybody coming now? No, wait, wait, wait. All right, now go. Now go. You know what? You need a passenger. You need mirrors. Hey, and I'm going to tell you something. In 2020, it's harder to drive than it used to be. Because we got all these newfangled mechanisms in the car that give us a false sense of security. I, I've almost stopped looking over my shoulder when I back out because I got everything on the screen. Shows my whole neighborhood. And if there's a dog walking three blocks away, beep, 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 beep. I've come to rely on man-made innovations as to whether I'm going to be safe or not. But those things can malfunction. Those things can mess up. A little bit of bad weather. And the sensors will get fogged over. You better not depend on man. You better check your blind spots. You better check, walk circumspectly. Not as fools, but as wise. Ah. Glory. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. And you know, you do it long enough. You drive long enough. And you, you develop an instinct for driving. Hallelujah. I see my girls get nervous sometime in the middle of bad weather. And I'll say, do you know who you're driving with? Ah, yeah been doing this for so long snow gets scared of me there's a joel advisory he's coming up on these roads again you develop you develop an instinct 
if you drive long enough and you got to make snap decisions and not a mirror's going to help you and not a passenger's going to help you something will dart out and you got to know whether to hold the wheel or move you need instincts you need reflexes that's the holy ghost you need the holy ghost And I'm not talking about just talking in tongues one time. I'm talking about being filled with the Holy Ghost. Praying through every day. Hallelujah. I'm talking about stirring up the gift that is in you. Oh. Come on, this is a narrow pathway. I was in Louisiana this week, driving from New Orleans up to Bogalusa. You've probably never, you've heard of New Orleans. You've probably never heard of Bogalusa. It was the 82nd annual Bogalusa Bible Conference. I drove across 25 miles of a bridge. It was narrow, and there wasn't a very big guardrail. About, about that high. It's a narrow way. And I'm going to tell you, this walk with God is a more narrow way than you realize. I'm just going to tell you that broad is the way that leads to destruction. You want me to give you some New Testament scriptures? Because you're talking about, oh, this is just Balaam Old Testament. This is Moses Old Testament. Let me give you some New Testament scriptures. In the New Testament, he said, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. How about this New Testament scripture? If the ungodly shall scarcely be saved and the sinner, where then does the righteous appear? If the righteous scarcely be saved, if the righteous scarcely be saved, where then does the sinner and the ungodly appear? That's New Testament. Let me give you more New Testament. Paul said on Mars Hill that, that back, back in the day they used to grave gods of silver and gold and iron and brass. And he said, and the times of this ignorance, God once winked. That's Old Testament. In the Old Testament, God would wink at their ignorance. But he said, now, now that the veil has been rent, now that the blood has been shed, now God commandeth all men everywhere. Oh my Lord, have mercy. Did you hear what I said? He didn't say God commands some men some places. He said God commanded all men everywhere to repent. That's New Testament. Blind spots. Blind spots. And one of the biggest blind spots you have is the fact that, you're, is that, is that there, are, there is a culture in our society that is trying to make Christianity so cool that it, it doesn't look, act, sound, or believe like anything different from the world. The car with the greatest blind spots, Consumer Report says, is the Porsche Boxster. Every one of us wants a Porsche Boxster. If you have one, you ought to sell it and give the money to Ready Now. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Man, I don't even know where that came from. That must have just been under the unction of the Holy Ghost. 
but the Porsche Boxster is so cool and it moves so, it's so smooth, but there are so many blind spots in it. And I'm going to tell you, you can, you can try to make your walk with God so cool that everybody in the world will envy it. And, 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 and it's something that everybody wants. But the Bible says that Jesus, there was nothing, no form, nor comeliness that we should desire anything of him. He wasn't trying to be cool. He was trying to save a lost and a dying world. We've made, we've made American culture, I should say, has turned Christianity into something that you can't tell the difference between Christianity and the world and you people don't even know what they're getting saved from anymore you can try to make things so cool but you've got blind spots everywhere and you don't see the 18 wheeler barreling down in the lane next to you and you don't see the drunk driver coming in the other lane next to you and you don't see the narrowness of the bridge you're on because you have so many blind spots Oh, God, help us, help us, help us. Somebody needs to be like that blind man in Jesus' day who said, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy upon me. Have mercy upon me. Jesus walked over to one blind man, and he spit in the ground, and he put his hand in the spittle, mixed it with the clay, put it in the man's eyes, and the man washed in the pool of Siloam, and the Lord opened his eyes. Another man received his healing of blindness. And when he did, he looked at Jesus and said, I see men as trees walking. Jesus said, you need another touch. Somebody in this place. I don't know what kind, of a, what kind of a burning bush experience you've had. I'm not questioning that. I'm not questioning the call of God on your life. I'm not questioning how God has purpose for you. I'm not questioning how he's anointed you, how he's called you. But I do know you need another touch. Because you've got some blind spots. You've got some angels with swords drawn on your path. If you don't make some changes, in the name of Jesus, somebody lift up your hands right now. Say, Lord, open my eyes. Lord, open my eyes. Lord, open my eyes. Come on, somebody call out to him like, like you need a touch from the Holy Ghost. Come on, somebody call out to him like you need Jesus to intervene. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Come on, stand with me right now. Stand with me in the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 The Bible said, if our gospel is hid, it is hid to them that are lost. In whom the God of this world, and he's not talking about the Lord Jehovah. He's talking about the prince of the power of the air. He's talking about Satan. In whom the God of this world hath blinded, blinded, blinded the minds of them which believe not. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. We're living in a world where spiritual blindness is rampant. Spiritual blindness is rampant. Oh, I feel this so strong in the Holy Ghost right now. Some of you derive more inspiration from the world than you do the church. And it is the blind leading the blind, and you're both going to fall into a ditch. 
Some of you are more tuned in to the thoughts and the concepts and the, and the ideas of the world than you are the truth of God's holy word. And you're going to stumble over that barely there guardrail into an abyss of God's anger and wrath. Why would you take upon yourself God's anger when Jesus already did? Oh, I feel your presence, Lord. I feel your presence, Lord. I wonder if there's somebody right now, oh God, who wants to walk circumspectly. You want to make sure. Look over your shoulder. Look over both shoulders. Check both mirrors. Check your rear view mirror. Ask the passenger, is there anybody coming? You're trying to navigate some serious things. I know. And things are going at 80 and 85, 90 miles an hour all around you. I get it. It's a fast-paced world. But you're going to end up in a collision that takes your life if you don't manage the blind spots in your life. Come on, Moses. God has a work for you. God has a work for you. Samson, don't be blinded by Delilah's beauty. God has a work for you. David, David, no, no. Don't be blinded by Bathsheba's temptation. God has an anointing on your life. Don't let these blind spots get to you. Don't let the blind spot of bitterness. Don't let the blind spot of bitterness take your walk with God. Don't let the blind spot of unforgiveness. Some of you are still holding grudges from years ago. And God, God is trying to lead you into a path. Oh God, I need you, Jesus. Come on, I need somebody to come forward and say, Lord, open my eyes. I need somebody to come forward and say, Lord, open my eyes. Come on, in the name of Jesus, Lord, open my eyes. Come on, that's it, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus.
across this building. Come on, let the Word of God reach you right now. Let the Spirit of the Lord move in you right now. Come on, don't let this moment pass you by. Don't let this moment pass you by. God wants to reach you. God wants to give you direction. He wants to make a change in your heart and in your mind. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Lord, come on, that's it. Open up your mouth and cry. 